Hello, friends. This is David Pasqualone with the Remarkable People Podcast, Season 2, Episode 30, The David and Kirsten Samuel Story. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast. Listen. Do. Repeat. For life. Hey, everybody. It's so good having you here today. It is a true honor and privilege, and I look forward to every week we can spend together. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast in case we do miss that 2 a.m. Central Time deadline every Monday. It'll let you know when the episode airs. But as for today, you have a super special episode. It's a continuation from the Kirsten Samuel story from season one. Today, David and Kirsten are going to join us, share David's side of the story, continue the story, and bring you huge, valuable content, the beginning, middle, and end of the show to help you and your loved one. Hang tight also to the end. David and Kirsten were super kind, gave a special offer to the Remarkable People podcast community. You can get a free book. And then if you hang tight to the end, they'll give you the details of how you can do that. Also, when you're listening out there, I wanted to give a couple special thank yous. Thank you to Brazil. We were ranked in the top 100 in Brazil. Go Brazil. Same thing, Singapore. Got an email this week. Boom, we're 88 in Singapore. So thank you guys. That's so fantastic. And I can't tell you how special that is to me. And then for the people who leave reviews, thank you. Keep leaving them in Stitcher. Leave them in Podchaser, Apple, Google, anywhere you can. Leave those reviews. I love reading them. But a happy guy 365 wrote, really enjoyable and real. Was not sure about this podcast at first, but once I got through a few minutes and saw that the show is authentic, helpful, and real, I listened through the rest and the episodes and enjoying them and learning a lot. So thank you, Happy Guy 365. Thank you to all of our listeners for being there. Hopefully we can help you grow, overcome the problems in your life, and just thrive in the future. If you have any questions, reach out to me at me at davidpasqualone.com or you can reach out to the guest, shoot us an email, any way we can help, we would love to. So at this time, I do not want to keep talking Check out the episodes we have in the library on the podcast directory. Check out the episodes we have on YouTube. This episode actually has a YouTube version. Check that out. And then if you have anything you need, let us know. Subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy. At this time, grab your pens, grab your paper, take notes, as long as it's safe to do so. Don't do it while you're driving. And then once you're done, apply it. And if you're having problems applying it or need more information or need help, we all need help. As the Bible says, as iron sharpeneth iron, so the man of countenance of his friend. If you are a husband or wife and you're having an addiction to porn, if you're single and you're just depressed and you're seeing the effect, the negative effect porn has on you, or if you're just trying to say, is this really an issue? Call Rob Jackson. Rob Jackson, we referred to in the episode with Kirsten Samuel in season one. We're going to refer to Rob Jackson during this episode. And then in a future episode, maybe even next week, 
Rob Jackson is going to appear on the Remarkable People podcast, and you're going to see that this is the man that God used to change David and Kirsten's lives, not just marriage, and he's helped dozens of hundreds of other people with sexual addiction, marriage recovery, and all sorts of other things. So Rob is licensed in Colorado and I believe Mississippi, but he can coach you from anywhere in the country. So there's a difference between counseling and coaching. Rob has the ability to do both. Check out his link in the show notes. If you need help, reach out to Rob for a free consultation and then see if a relationship's the right fit. But I've personally formed a relationship with Rob. I've personally talked to him about some of the demons in my closet, and he's already been a huge blessing in my life. He's been a huge blessing in David and Kirsten's life. He'll be a huge blessing in your life too. So check out Rob Jackson, the iceberg model of Christian spiritual formation, the show notes. Call him if you have any questions. Call me if you have any questions. And now let's get on to the show. Guys, thanks for being here today. It's our pleasure. Great privilege, David. Thank you. Oh, no, it's my honor. Thank you for being here. We actually had a quick tech session yesterday. So we (laughs) played with the technology. And ladies and gentlemen, as you know, as a listener, we are planning on season three doing video cast, but it's just so much fun. We're going to do it in season two. So David and Kirsten, thank you so much for being here and for continuing the story. If you were with us last season, you can go to our website, uh, remarkablepeoplepodcast.com. And if you scroll through, you can see episode 16 was Kirsten's story. Yes. And what we're going to talk about today is a continuation. But before we do, David, can you give us a summary of your side of the story and kind of your perspective (laughs) and what we're going to do for the listeners? This episode has multi-facets. This episode is for people who are addicted to pornography, male or female. This episode is for people who are in their marriage with a secret of pornography. This episode is how you not only overcome this in your own life, but how you begin and fulfill the healing process in your marriage, and then how to hopefully break these chains for your children. So with that, we got a lot to cover. And David, go ahead and let's just talk about your story. Well, David, I was, it all started, I was exposed to pornography as a child of about six years old, five or six. It's hard to remember, but just innocently enough was, was shown some material, you know, didn't, didn't know what it was, but that planted the seeds of just more curiosity, more things that needed to be featured and, and, and grew from that. So I trace it back to that as a, as a young, young child. I was, I was a skinny kid. I was short, I was small. I was picked on at school. So a lot of it was my medication of choice of dealing with some real insecurity issues that, that I was dealing with. And, you know, just was the, the, the medication that I, I used to escape. And, you know, I really didn't understand that until a few years ago, well, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But it was one of these struggles where pornography always seemed to 
find its way into my path. And, and I don't know, it wasn't something that I was searching for early on. It would just happen to be there. And, you know, the curiosity was there and because of those seeds from early on. So that grew before the age of, before the years of internet, it was pretty controlled because you had to actually go out of your way mm-hmm. to, to find it and to search things out. But with the advent of the internet, you know, mid nineties, when we first got our computer, it became a real problem with easy access and uh, the privacy aspect of things where I could just seclude and, and just feed that, mm-hmm. that curiosity. And that got to the point where, you know, and, and it was a cycle. It was a, it was a thing of, you know, I, I would look at it. I would hate myself for it. I'd put it aside. I'm going to get better at this. And then, you know, two months later, it'd come up again. And it was this this cycle of what we call the cycle of shame. Yeah. And, and that continued for a number of years until finally I uh, was caught and I had to deal with that publicly and, and openly and, uh, yeah, almost lost my job, but uh, with some intervention of of some friends, of counseling, of just acts of grace from the Lord, we were able to, you know, get that taken care of and and move beyond that. Amen. And I, I just want to stress this to the audience, and thank you both. When this topic is discussed, there's different extremes it seems when Mm -hmm. people talk about pornography they're like who cares it's totally accepted but Mm -hmm. it's super destructive and powerful yes then you have the ultra conservative side that's like it's taboo don't talk about don't be involved in it you're shame what's wrong with you for being involved in this right Mm -hmm. and what i found in life that's really sad is when we go through struggles like dave for you to talk about this it takes a lot of courage and for kirsten for you to talk about this takes a lot of courage and it's hard So as the audience, please appreciate that they're sharing with you deep, sensitive things that stir up emotions and stir up feelings. But thank God for you, because most people who go through this stuff, even if they're victorious, they won't talk about it. They won't talk about it because the level of pain. They won't talk about it because the embarrassment, the effect it'll have on their children. So we have a real treat today that they're not only experienced this and been victorious over it, but now they're sharing the insights with it because there aren't many people who'll do that. And it may be that, you know, you're listening and you have this issue and you're like, well, I can't share it because it'll hurt other people. Well, that's true, but listen to their story and share their story. This is a great opportunity because millions of people around the world are struggling with porn. They're just as many, I don't want to say just as many, but the growth rate among women in porn and adultery is higher than men percentage wise. And people involved in porn, it's just, it's just, what's the word? It's epidemic. It's worse than coronavirus for sure. Right. So I I didn't mean to cut you off, but I really want people to listening to understand the importance of this. Well, and, and what the statistics validate what you're saying, Dave, and that is that one quarter, 25%, and these statistics are a few years old, so it's worse now, but 25% of all internet searches are pornographic related. They're sex related. It's the number one topic. Sex is the number one topic of internet searches. I mean, just let that sink in for a minute. And, you know, in marriage, you know, people say that all the pornography, it's okay. You know, boys will be boys or whatever. No, I'm sorry. It is not okay. Pornography destroys marriages, period. End End of story. It is never okay. 
And that's a really hard line for it to take, but we've discovered what it does in a marriage. It tried to destroy our marriage, and it came really, really close, as we talked about in the last, you know, in the last episode. But the pornography industry today has, is making more money than Microsoft, Yahoo, eBay, Apple, Netflix, and Earthlink combined. Combined. So if, if people say it's not a big deal, I'm sorry. The stats prove differently. And, you know, pornography involves someone's daughter, sister, brother, husband, wife. And they're not doing this voluntarily. The, you know, the, the, I, I read an article just a few months ago on some research being done to rescue some, and this was women, rescue women that were caught from human trafficking into porno, pornographic, making pornographic movies. And one of the things in, that just stands out to me from that article, and it, it breaks my heart every time I think about it, is there was a, a woman, a, a young woman, who was from a very middle-class to upper-class family in the United States. So this is not outside of the United States. This, this was within the United States. She got caught into a trafficking circle, pornographic circle, and there was another woman that she befriended in there. Well, this woman decided she wasn't going to do this anymore. And they were all brought... She would go back to her regular life and then be brought back to this location. One time they were brought back to this location and they were forced to watch this other woman who was trying to get out be murdered. So don't tell me that this is okay. This is not okay. This is huge. Yeah, and there's people listening now like, well, that's extreme and, and most of them like, aren't like that. They want to do it. No, I mean, there's a there's a mentality that's degenerative each generation. And yeah, people are accepting it more. People are being tricked by it more. But it's like drugs are like crack. It's like super bad and it gets you addicted and it seems fun, but it takes years to show the detriment. Right. There's right. some things that show detriment much faster and you can be on a sexual addiction. Woof, right through the roof. You go from zero to death. Mm -hmm. You go to zero to bondage or something crazy. But for, I'd say for the average person, it's a progression. Mm -hmm. But then once it gets to the point where it's out of control, they don't know what to do. So right. if you're listening now, if you're beyond the point of control, so to speak, listen to David and Kirsten and how to get help. If you're reaching that point and you think it's a fun ride, listen up. If you're in shame and you know it's wrong, but you keep going back to medicate. Dave, I, I hit right. that word. I think that's like, for me, that would be the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. When I have addictions, it's to medicate pain. Right. And there's different types of addictions. In my end, we're always medicating. So when you said that word, it connected like that. Mm -hmm. So let's continue with the story because there's so much to it. So you guys are married. Yep. Dave, you get caught yep. looking at porn at work. Mm -hmm. So now you have not only the marriage aspect and the, the wife, the children, the friends, the family, but now you have your gainful employment. Right. They were kind enough and godly enough and gracious enough to keep you on and to work with you. Mm -hmm. And you had all these things working together. 
but it was an easy journey, right? Super simple, no. quick. <laughs> All right, pick up there yeah, in the story. No, no, no. And let, people, <laughs> let people know from your perspective, and you guys can go back and forth, but how did you get to the point of victory after years of slavery? Well, I think the first part was that, you know, I had to come clean. And I think that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the hardest part. Yeah. And, you know, we hear this, you know, the first step to taking care of an addiction is to admitting that you have one. And, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of brush that off, but that's a difficult step you know, to, to come out and to say, okay, I have this problem. I need help. You know, the, the macho male image, you know, is, well, I can do this myself, which, you know, I told myself for years, but that's a lie. You know, there's, there are many things we cannot do ourselves. We do need the help of others. And that's the cycle of shame. Yeah, exactly. And and another thing too, is not to interrupt you, but Oh, guys look at porn. That's part of being a man, right? And and, and looking at women, that's that's a lie. That's a lie. But what I'm saying is that's right. it's like if a girl hits on you, it's sexual harassment. Guys make fun of you if you complain. Yeah. But if a lady gets sexually harassed, oh man, that's over. The dude's yeah. fired. Right. But our society's still so backwards in ways. So if you're yeah. a guy and you're sexually harassed, it's like, what's wrong with you, dude? You should like that. That's the yeah. mentality that Sane tries to put in mm-hmm. our head. So you are up against a lot, even just to come clean. Right. And, and thankfully, God in his mercy put in my path, and, and even before this all came out, mm-hmm. several godly men that I, could, you know, that, I were, that I felt close enough with that I could approach and say, okay, I've got this issue. And that was one of the things when I, when I first was approached by our HR department to say, okay, what's, what's going on? You know, their thing was, okay, you need to think about a, a plan that you're going to put into place to get this taken care of. And it was like, I don't even know where to start because yeah. I've been trying to do this for years. You know, probably, oh, it'd be, it'd been 10 years by that point of, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work on this. But having to, one, come clean to Kirsten about it and then trying to think, okay, who do I have that I can go to? And, and there were several men that mm-hmm. one in particular that mm-hmm. I, that I went to that, that Kirsten talks about in the book that, you know, called him up. We had breakfast. I had to put this plan together and, and he and I mapped out on a napkin at breakfast <laughs> that, that next day. Okay. Here are the steps that we think this is going to work. And I had to present that to the, the HR representative yeah. that afternoon. And did you transfer he, it from the napkin? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> it had it had grease stains on it. It was like that. This is kind of tacky. But Some of the best <laughs> business plans are made on that, right? Right? And right. Exactly. But yeah, it was just getting that plan in place and and really not knowing where to start. That was the that was the whole yeah. problem of you know I've tried this, I've tried everything. Where do I go from here? And the plan that he he and I mapped out together, he did most of the mapping. I just kind of sat there and agreed. <laughs> well, because we were both in this utter stunned shock of mm-hmm. our world just blew up and how did that happen? So I was no help to him. One, because I was so shocked. And two, I was angry. I was mad. And we've talked about that. But, you know, he'd asked me, you know, well, what do you think I can do? And and in my naivete, I just said, well, stop it. Just stop it. Well, I didn't understand addiction at that That's point. That's the old Bob Newhart yeah. video sketch of just stop <laughs> That's it. That's actually yes. a great video sketch. <laughs> it is. It that, is a for sketch. most addictions, that actually is a great video sketch. <laughs> if you don't know, I'll put a link in the show notes. I'm going to put that down. That's a yeah. great the it stop it's, it video. It's one we refer to often because that was exactly my, my response was, well, 
just stop it, you know? Yeah. Right. I'm going to put exactly. you in a box. Stop it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're, you, you watch the video and laugh and know what we're talking about yeah, later. That's right. Yeah. That's the right. Listeners. But, all right. That's a great one. So, yeah. So, this is super, in every aspect, your minds are just running different directions. Mm-hmm. There's different levels of fear, anger, all these emotions. You put together a plan and then take us from there. Yeah. Well, the plan, you know, involved, it involved personal counseling for me. It involved couples counseling for, for both of us, marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. It involved accountability software on my computer so, and to, so that other, others could know what I was looking at and, and be able to ask questions and, and just check up on me if, if they saw something was going awry. I, I had to cut out all business travel because mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a big issue as well. And then we, we, went, we, went, we had this restoration team, which was three different couples that mm-hmm. we um, handpicked. We handpicked to come alongside and to help with this. Now, the guy that I originally met was familiar with this process, and he was the one that actually suggested it. Sounded great to me. It was like, okay, this this sounds like it might work with several couples. The hard thing, though, <laughs> was finding two other couples that we both agreed on. Either I liked the guy and she didn't care for the woman or vice versa. It well, just, and the other thing was that because this was a spiritual restoration team, they had to be, we had to know that they had a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. And that they they were walking they were walking out their faith every day. So there were some couples that we thought about where one or the other of them, we just from observing them felt like maybe maybe they wouldn't wouldn't have enough courage to get in our face because we needed people who were willing to look at us and say, no, that is not okay. Yeah. You know, well, um, and, and was- to call us out on on different things. And there was one individual that one couple that we knew that I was thinking about, and I made a suggestion about that. But then, in thinking about it more, it was well, you know, they're they're spiritually alive, mm-hmm. but he was dealing with the same issues, so it wouldn't have been he probably wouldn't have been as hard on me accountability wise because he would say, well, you know, I I get, I, still, I get that. So it's not that big of a deal. So I needed somebody that was going to really, people that were really going to hold my feet, our feet, well, mm-hmm. my feet to the fire. Your feet. <laughs> so, yeah, my feet. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wasn't true, but that's how I thought at the time. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was the process and uh, that was the plan that was laid out. It was accepted by the HR department and then we put it in motion. And there were, there were a lot of humbling things along the, along the line. <laughs> there were, several business trips that I, I were too close, I couldn't get someone else to cover for me. So I had to figure out um, how to make that happen. And well, one of the things was, is that my daughter and I were actually doing these events. She worked at the same um, company and we were doing these events together. She was planning them and I was executing them from a, a technical standpoint. And I had to give her my computer at night just so that we could keep things accountable. And that, to a dad, that was super humbling of just, wow, I've made a mess of this. And so not only was there the personal aspect of it uh, for me personally, but there was also the implications of the marriage, obviously, mm-hmm. but also the implications with the kids. And how was I going to deal with this with the children? And of course, we did sit, I, we sat down and I talked to them each individually and, and told them what was going on and asked for forgiveness. And But then walking that out, and that was... 
you know, what what grown man has to give his daughter, his 20-year-old daughter, his computer so he doesn't look at pornography while, you know, he's in a hotel room. And it's just like, what an, what mess have I made of this? Mm-hmm. So that was another aspect of it that we had to deal with was uh, the children. Fortunately, they were very gracious and very forgiving mm-hmm. and, and and walked through it with us. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that one of the things that came into my mind was that, and I don't know where we heard this, I heard it somewhere, but it was, we teach our kids how to succeed and how to do well in life, but we often fail to teach them how to fail well. That was during our restoration right. group. Yeah. And so I wanted to model, okay, yeah, dad's blown it. This is you know what happens when, when uh, sin gets involved and I've blown it spiritually, but how can I recover? Mm-hmm. How can we, how can I fail well and recover from this? Yeah. So that was yeah and that is huge because a, a lot of kids, they see conflict, but they don't know how to resolve conflict. And mm-hmm. a lot of adults don't know how to resolve conflict. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's and we huge. don't teach, we don't teach our children that we want, we're, you know, we focus <laughs> on helping them to be productive parts of society. Right. right. And I remember... Um, I'm not shaking my head at you and if anybody's <laughs> watching. I'm super disgusted with the school systems. And they teach you all the crap you don't need in life. But the core skills, they don't teach you. Well, it's, you know, it's like I, I tell young moms. And the first time you've, you have your first child, everybody tells you how to change a diaper, how to burp them, how to feed them, you know, what to watch for. You know, if a fever, how do you check a fever? But nobody tells you how to actually rear that child. They just hand you this child and say, go for it. And you're like, ah, what? You know, it's the same thing when, when, we're, when we're rearing our children. We want them to succeed. We want them to do well. But we forget that failure is, we've, we've in our minds twisted failure into something that's so negative when in fact, failure is actually one of our greatest teachers. You know, you look at the greatest inventions of the world. The fact that we're using technology today the greatest, you know, inventions in the world, how many times were there failures? Thomas Edison said, you know, that he did not fail 10,000 times. He learned 10,000 things that did not work. Yeah, right? It's true. So it's a mindset shift. And, you know, when we were in the middle of this, when we were in, in the, the deep, dark part of this, we both felt like failures. We both were looking at this as, this is it. This is the end. This is the destruction. This is... Mm-hmm we'll never be able to lift our heads again. And I believe that that was a lie from Satan. I know it was. Mm -hmm. He was using that to try to destroy us, to beat us down. And in in the place that we both were at the time, we were succumbing to that. And the beauty of this restoration group was that they began to pray for us and to pray over us they began to not only deal with the mess that we were in, and we were, we were in a mess in every area of our lives when this happened, but they began to call out the good. They began to point us to the benefits. They began to help us see the hope that can come. They didn't, they didn't um, minimize the struggle mm-hmm, because, right. you know, a butterfly is only beautiful because of the struggle that it went through to come out of that cocoon. Because when it went into the cocoon, it was kind of ugly. And that's the way that I describe this in the book is that this restoration team actually put us in a cocoon. And that cocoon was God-given. 
because it allowed us the freedom and the space and the security, the safety to come clean. Yeah, and to be authentic. And to be authentic. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the hardest things about the restoration team process, mm-hmm. like I said, was selecting the couples to yes. go through that with us because <laughs> as in all addictions, isolation yeah. is the big key and we and secrecy and we had become so isolated mm-hmm. we didn't have any couples that yeah. we were friends with uh, that we both enjoyed being around and so mm-hmm. that was a struggle and you know it, it was it, it took a while but god put the names of those couples in our mind to actually approach them and, and we had to go and approach them and tell them what was going on and right. ask them to commit to 18 plus months of, you know, <laughs> meeting with us weekly, with us re- weekly. That's a lot of being time. available to us. And who has that time? You know, and it's like, <clears throat> nobody's going to want to do that, but right. that's another lie is that nobody's going to want to help because mm-hmm. that's, that's not the truth. Yeah. And pause there for a second. Cause that's, that is huge. There's a real obstacle, but then there's a real lie. Mm-hmm. Right. The fact is so many homes are plagued by pornography and adultery today. Mm-hmm that it's hard to find somebody who's pure. And then when you find someone, you may not know, like you may be friends with a gentleman, Dave, and you know he's addicted to porn, but obviously you don't tell your wife because that's private guy stuff. Right. So then that's a couple that's off the table, but now you can't tell your wife that either, right? Mm-hmm. And then likewise, you may have a friend who's having issues cursing and same thing. Mm-hmm. But then on top of it, there has to be the willingness and the time so it's not an easy fit, but it's there. And you've right. got to search and you, your life is worth it. Your marriage is worth it. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's backtrack. There's something that keeps going through my head, Dave. Okay. And then I'm going to ask you the same exact question, Kirsten. What are the downfalls of pornography? Because people who are addicted to it are people medicating it and they're listening right now. They're just looking at, I want the hit. I want that feeling. I want mm-hmm. that thrill. But when you pull that away and you start looking at the reality of it, outline to help people see what are the real downfalls, short-term and long of pornography for a guy. And then we'll do the same thing for a woman. Yeah. I think for a man, it sets up false expectations. Okay. What... What a guy sees in pornography, because, okay, we're created to be visual beings. God mm-hmm. created us to, to be attracted to beauty, and, I mean, that's, that's the way we're wired, and that's great. The, the downfall is, is that what we see in pornography is not real. It's either doctored somehow, or there's, you know, in, in photographs, it'll be... It'll be airbrushed, it'll be photoshopped to make it look even better, to hide all the flaws. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we think of that as being real, then we go into the marriage relationship and see our wife as, oh, well, golly, this is not what, <laughs> not what I'm used to seeing. And we, we start comparing and we start holding her up to a false standard instead of accepting her for for whom she is and, and for the way that God made her. And, and so that's a huge danger of that, of that comparison. And then, then it, then it escalates to, well, you know, somebody else has got it better than, than I do. And, and then it goes down to, well, I just need to find somebody else. Cause, cause this person is, is flawed. What you know, about that's, the, 
Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I was saying, what about the effects on yourself too? Like, how did you view yourself besides just a shame? Did it, uh, what's the word, overflow into other areas of your life? I think so because the shame was definitely the biggest part, and and that was that was one aspect of of coming, you know, as a believer, as a believer in Jesus Christ, and 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 medicating in this way. There was the shame of I should not be doing this, mm-hmm. and and I think we mentioned in the book that it was always a paradox for me. Of I found myself attracted to this material when non-believing friends were repulsed by it. And it was like, well, what is really wrong with me that Mm -hmm. I have to, that I have to do this and I'm seeking this. And so that was always really strange. And, and I never could come to grips with that. So, and, and that just spiraled, spiraled me down the the shame cycle and you're worthless. And, and then that increased more need for medication for the hit to overcome that. And so it was a, a real cyclical nature with that and, and progressive. Mm -hmm. And can I, I want to ask you professionally, physically, did you find yourself because you were disgusted with yourself, not taking care of yourself as well, not being as professionally, you know, as aggressive, maybe like, yeah, you know, maybe not so. working out. It's, it's hard to really think back to that. I think yeah. the, the big thing for me was, was the shame and the, ina- and the, the heightened inadequacy feeling. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, but would you say like, even physically, with. are you healthier? If you were looking at yourself physically, would you say you're in better shape and healthier now than you were 15 years ago? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Because that mm-hmm. subtle, that self-hatred, right. you don't want to take care of yourself. Right. So when you're- It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And you're like, I deserve bad. So you fulfill with bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying yeah. to put words in your mouth. I'm just trying to like- Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like I can see a picture of you now and I saw a picture of you from before and you look better today than you did, man. You got a good youth. <laughs> he does. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> you're not bad for 25, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And counting. <laughs> Yeah. All right. And what about from the woman's cycle? Like whether a woman's involved in it or what's the effect of you? Like the psyche, like what's going on there from porn? What are the downfalls of it? Well, there's several that go on for a woman and it's, you know, you, you have, you have these reactions that are opposite ends of the spectrum, really. One of them is complete disgust. You know, you're just, you're just disgusted by the fact that, you know, the one person that you've trusted your entire life with is choosing something that's fake over you. So then that puts you into this, this cycle of, well, then what's wrong with me? You know, I guess I'm not good enough. I'm not sexy enough. Um, My body isn't good enough, which, you know, yes, I can control that. No, I can't. Some stuff, you know, the whole taking care of yourself versus the not taking care of yourself. But, you know, I, I mean, I, God created me the way he created me. So I may not, uh, you know, I'm not as tall. I'm not built tall and lithe. You know, I'm kind of short and and a little bit on the stocky side. That's the way I'm built. That doesn't give me excuse that where I took it into an addiction to food, you know, that doesn't give me the right. And that addiction to food was covering up some internal pain for me, but it also made me feel worthless. And it, it, you know, the crazy thing about pornography is that people say, well, you know, maybe I should join my husband in the porn. Well, even if you do that, any marriage that has pornography in it in, in any way, shape, or form is 300% more likely to result in infidelity. 
300 more percent more. So I found myself struggling with, well, if he's doing that, then I could do this. You know, why not? He's already destroyed our marriage, so it doesn't matter what I do. Well, yes, it does matter what I do because that was going to destroy me even further. And the crazy thing is that I didn't believe that I already knew about the, the addiction, but I did because there, was, there were warning signs he gave off and I kept blowing past them. And, you know, I've, I've written about some of those, those warning signs and that's on my website. You know, people can go there and get it. It's a free ebook, but I'll put a link to that in the show notes and your yes. book. So you can, yeah. Can it's the off. 10 warning signs your gut already knows. You know, one of the things that God has created women with is this kind of a, a more of a sensitive nature typically. And that's, you know, broad strokes, this more sensitive nature where we tend to be a little bit more intuitive than most men. And, and that is because we're nurturing. That's the way we're created as women to be nurturers. And I knew, as I looked back, I knew something was wrong. One of the things that, that as we look back on it, and we've talked about this is we could see how the pornography was affecting us in our intimacy. Because he couldn't be honest about what was going on. He wasn't being honest with me. And because I was dealing with the depression and some other things, I wasn't being honest with Dave. And so these addictions, whatever they are, were destroying our marriage from the inside out because we weren't being authentic. We weren't being real. We were hiding. And, you know, I know we've talked about that one of the things that pornography for a man, like he said, is you expect the woman to, you know, know certain things. Well, I never looked at pornography, you know, other than the fact that I happened to be somewhere and saw a Playboy magazine laying open and I turned my head as fast as I could and walked away. And that was my exposure. I didn't, you know, some of the things that are now available through more progressive porn, a woman who has never exposed herself to that does not know what those are. You know, we're, we're, and yet the man who has been viewing this expects that when you're in a, you know, a position of intimacy, that the woman's going to know that this is what she's yeah, supposed to. This is common knowledge. This is common knowledge. She's supposed to know this. Well, I don't. And I felt stupid. Because, you know, it was like, what are you, what are you doing? And, 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 I was, and I felt stupid that I didn't understand. And I just blew, you know, I just pawned it off as, well, I'm, I'm, I'm dumb. I don't know. You know, so there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of factors that go in and they're very subtle. They're, they're some not so subtle, some, but a lot of them are very subtle. One of the things that we've had to really work at is developing that complete authenticity, that complete honesty with each other, even even during sex, you know, to say, you know, what what is good, what's not good, what's what that in and what how does that make you feel? And why are you, you know, doing this and talking about it and where is that coming from? You know, is this coming from a place of wanting to cherish your spouse or is it coming from pornography? And mm-hmm. Gary Thomas has written a great book called Cherish. And I, I recommend any married couple read it because it goes beyond the thought of love to the point of cherishing. And if you think about what you cherish in your life, what, whatever that is, how do you treat whatever that object is of, of being cherished? 
that changes your perspective when you start to look at your spouse. Like when I look at Dave and I think about, I want to cherish him. So that's going to change how I think, how I behave, the the things that I will do for him. And it's not a matter of, you know, well, he expects it. No, I'm trying to find ways that he does not expect me to do something to show him how much I cherish him. Pornography is not cherishing. It is taking. It is, it is, it is selfish at its root. Very selfish. Yeah. And as I read that book, Cherish, I thought, oh, wow, I'm not even doing this. And yet that's what I deeply desire because God has created us to be in, you know, in such an intimate relationship with himself that we, we know what it feels like to be cherished by God because we are, we're all cherished by God. I mean, Jesus, Jesus came and died on the cross to shed his sin, to save us from sin so we could be back in that relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Talk about being cherished. Yeah. You know? So that's one of the ways that I really see pornography has tried to destroy us was to, to, to make the relationship become very selfish instead of being very much one of how do I serve the other? How do mm-hmm. I show my love for them? through cherishing them, through serving and serving well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do this. We're going to spend the rest of the episode dealing with the people who want healing. Okay. okay. And if someone's still listening, who's like, forget this. I like it. I like porn, man. It's great guys and girls like, man, you, you know, you can't even open up. What's that? Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Like I use, I use social media for just marketing and for connecting with people, but I don't really like it. Now, our kids, not like all kids, they're mm-hmm. like addicted to these social media platforms. Yep. As soon as you go in, I'm just going to use Instagram as an example. Boom. You just see mm-hmm. naked guys. And when I say naked, basically naked. Like, yeah, they got their pants on or a bra on, but they're basically naked guys and girls. Mm-hmm. All they're doing is showing, ooh, this is attractive. Ooh, this is nice. And you're just desensitizing these kids and humans right. where it's, it's no big deal, but inside right. they know it's a big deal. But worse, they like it. I never had as many unsubscribes as when we aired your episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not. It's good. I consider it good. I mean, like right now, like what I'm saying is people don't want to hear right. pornography is bad because it's saying I like it and I want to continue. But what they don't understand, it's like Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. They're in, what's that? Fantasy Island? Not Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fantasy Island. It's like, yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, you're all jackasses pretty soon. It's going to catch up. It always catches up. Mm-hmm. So as a final plea, we'll do Dave to the men and Kirsten to the women. Dave, what do you say to the guys? Are like, I like it. I'm not quitting. It is having a destructive effect on your life, whether you realize it or not. And the farther you go, the the farther down, the more destruction is happening. Mm -hmm. While you can reach out for help and and find somebody that you can confide in and and get some help because that's the only way it's going to break the the cycle, the cycle of shame and and just the cycle of the addiction. You've got to find somebody to reach out to and be mentored by them. I mean, where do you think, like fast forward, when I fast forward a pornography addiction, I see a guy who, yeah, say he's going around, he's involved in porn, he's, he's having sex with all these women. I see a guy who's going to be alone in 10 years and 20 years and a guy who's going to be 
Like, what's my life worth? What have I done? And probably has about 13 different diseases to go with it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I see. So right. if you're well, listening and, to this. Yeah. Right. And, and if, if let's say, you know, for me, it was, I never spent any money on it. It was, it was all just very, very secretive, very secluded. I never actually acted out on that. So, you know, if, if a guy is not acting out on it, it, it just alienates you farther and farther. And not only do you, you know, if you're acting out, you do have the, the, the possibility of the diseases and, and things like that. If you're not though, you're, you can destroy your family. You will be alone. You can end up alone by losing your family, losing your kids, your wife. And, and there you are. You're just there's financial impact to mm-hmm. that. Right. You know, so there, there's destructive, there's destruction in, in different forms, but it's, it's all destructive. Yeah. With porn, I always thought, and just so you guys know, I'll be totally transparent. Mm-hmm. Some people are addicted to drugs and addicted medicate with drugs. Right. Some with, you know, alcohol is a drug, but it's classified mm-hmm. socially different, but it's a drug. Mm-hmm. Everybody has different things, eating, whatever it is. Mine was a hundred percent growing up porn and women. So that's why I'm so passionate about mm-hmm. this. Cause I know personally, just like you, man, it can take a hold. And I always was terrified by the verse, thy sin shall find you out. Mm-hmm. Right. When you're sitting here and you're doing it alone or you're listening, it's like at some point the Bible never lies. Right. You know in your heart and in your head, it's going to come back to haunt you. And when you're looking at porn, whether you're a teenager, 20s, 30s, 60s, I met a guy who was in his 60s addicted to porn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ruined his life, leaves his, you know, he's ending his life in a terrible place. You can right. still turn around, mm-hmm. but it's not yeah. where you want to go. So I agree with you completely, Dave. Right. And I, and I struggled with, I struggled with the term addiction. You know, am I addicted to this? You know, and it's that classic thing. Oh, well, I can stop anytime I want. Okay. But anything, if you're using anything to medicate instead of, and, and instead of turning to the Lord as a believer, instead of turning to the Lord, if you're using something else to medicate through a painful issue, that is an addiction. And so I had to really look at that definition of addiction and, and say, okay, yeah, I am using this to medicate instead of turning to the Lord with my issues. I'm trying to find peace and comfort elsewhere. I had to narrow, I had to really broaden my my definition of addiction to say, yes, I do fall into that because I'm using that instead of turning to, you know, our, our, our father in heaven to help me through this issue. So mm-hmm. that's something that, that, that can be a stumbling block too of saying, well, I, I may like it, but I'm not addicted to it. Well, I, I think, I think your definition is too narrow and you need to broaden that because that's yeah, and for the conversations there, you may need to pay more mm-hmm. attention to something. It maybe right. it isn't you're addicted to the cigarette, but you're addicted to the vo- there's a void that you're causing mm-hmm. you to drive mm-hmm. to that cigarette exactly. or to that donut. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, Kirsten, how about you? You're talking to the woman right now who's like, everybody's doing it. There's nothing wrong with it. I actually enjoy it. I do it with my boyfriend. What do you say to her? I say to her that your life can be so much more rich than it is right now. You are, you are exchanging um, pennies for billions of dollars. You are, you are accepting a cheap substitute for true intimacy. Imagine your life where you can, you can live 
with another person and there is nothing that you have to worry about that might come up between the two of you and surprise him and he's going to go, what? And walk away. Imagine that. Imagine, imagine being in a, in a relationship for the rest of your life where no matter what happens, you can turn to the other person and they look at you and they accept you completely. They know you. There's, no, there's nothing that you can do where they're going to walk away. That's the benefit of not having the lie of pornography. That's the benefit of, of living authentically with the other person. That's, that is not perfection. In fact, it is the farthest thing from perfection. But it's the most freeing because I don't, I'm not trying to remember, oh, did I, did I say that or didn't I say that? Or does he know about that? I'm not, I don't have to remember any of that. I, I don't have to remember. I don't have to keep track of my lies any longer. I, I can admit when I'm just really struggling today, and yeah, that, bar, that box of cookies looks really good. Or I'm, I'm really tired, and I'm very upset, and I'm very angry, and right now I feel like you and I are you know, about five miles apart. There's, the relationship feels broken. What's going on? And I'm not, I'm not worried that he's going to tell me he's been sleeping with another woman. Because we've worked through and we've, be, we've come so far in, in understanding what it means to be completely transparent and authentic with the other person. That doesn't mean that we don't screw up every day. It doesn't mean that we don't fight. We do. We have hard conversations with each other. And sometimes they're, they're not done as well as they could be, <laughs> you know. But I'm not worried about him leaving me for another woman. And that's the progression of pornography. And for a woman who's dabbling in pornography, you're going to become unsatisfied with your current partner, whether you're married, living together, or not. Pornography creates a discontent within your heart that can never be satisfied because there's always this other guy. It's teaching you to look at the other human being as a piece of meat, not as a human being who has emotions who has a heart, who has real feelings, who needs to be treasured and cared for and, yes, cherished. It breaks the thing that the woman wants the most, and that is relationship. Pornography drives a a mile-wide wedge between you and the person you're deeply desiring that relationship with. You can never cross it as long as pornography is there because pornography is not about relationship. It's all about getting my sexual needs met any way I can. And it's plastic and it's fake and it is is destructive as its nature. It is not the way God designed relationships to be. God designed relationships to be safe, secure, monogamous, and honoring. But pornography seeks anything but. It says the more partners you can have, the better. And I'm sorry, that is not what a woman desires. There's an old, old saying that women play at sex to get love and men play at love to get sex. Do you see the difference in the way the thinking? Well, wanting to be loved means I want to be cherished. I want that deep relationship. 
And that's what's at the heart of every woman is the fact that she needs relationship. Well, the, the fastest way to not achieve that desire is to be involved in pornography to be watching it, to be partaking in it in any way, shape, or form, to be reading romance novels that are pornographic. Yeah, and 100%. The woman reading porn or a man looking at it, it's the same thing. It's, it's the same. same thing. It is not, it is not, you're not feeding what you need. And the freedom that comes from turning away from that and saying, I'm going to choose the other way. I'm going to choose to throw myself headlong. And that's what we had to decide, to throw ourselves headlong into saving this marriage. Well, we got a result we didn't anticipate. And that is that God gave us a brand new marriage. Mm -hmm. He didn't save our marriage. He completely made it new. We are not the people that we were when this blew up almost 15 years ago. We we look at life differently. We see each other differently. We treasure each other differently. Mm-hmm. I know. I know that I can run to him, and I can be a blithering idiot, and he's <laughs> going to be okay. He's he's going to wrap his arms around me. He's going to hold on to me. I just did this a couple weeks ago. Okay, so I know this true to form, where I couldn't even make sense in what I was saying, and yet he knew that my heart was broken, and. He didn't try to fix it. He couldn't fix it. There was no way to fix what was going on. But he knew that all I had to do was get this out to the point where I could begin to make sense of what was happening inside my heart. I've, I've had to apologize to him because in the middle of a very stressful situation, I used extremely harsh words and responded to him, and I wounded him, and I hurt him, and I took out on the one person I can trust the, you know, my frustration with someone else. Well, I had to apologize. And guess what? He accepted me. And I knew when I went to apologize to him that he would accept me. Didn't excuse my behavior, but there was safety there. There was safety and security. And as a woman, that means more to me than anything in the world. Is he a perfect man? Absolutely not. I don't want to be married to a perfect man. Thank you very much because I'm not perfect. And that would make me mad if he were perfect. So, you know, no, I don't want to be married to a perfect man. And if you're a woman thinking that well, all you have to do is find that perfect man, I have really bad news for you. First of all, he doesn't exist. The only one that was ever perfect was Jesus Christ. And secondly, he's not going to find you because you're not perfect. So you got to get over that. You got to get over yourself. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> no, well, well said. So let's talk about this healing. And let's talk about what it looks like because you've obviously been 15 years, you're thriving, you're speaking, you're writing, you're helping, you're counseling, you're helping couples. The only other thing I want to say to the people actively involved in porn, it could be any one of us, but know it will escalate. Yes. Mm -hmm. Porn escalates and slowly, but surely it will escalate. Sometimes it's fast. And one of the top ways that I see like, you know, when I'm speaking with people about this issue, all the crossing of mental lines Mm -hmm. with homosexuality and with so many weird sexual fetishes, they get involved in normal porn and they're exposed and it's crossed these other porn. And then they're searching for something heterosexual, excuse me, 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I got allergies in this. That's why video is no good for me, right? <laughs> keep seeing me mute the mic and turn and cough. But what happens is people who are heterosexual are looking at stuff and then crossing wires in their brain because they're seeing homosexual. So all sin is sin, but mm-hmm. there is a gross difference between sexual sin and other forms of sin. That's in the Bible. All sin will bring you to hell. We all deserve hell, but God's gracious and he saves us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everything we're talking about today can be forgiven and healed, mm-hmm. but there's going to be consequences and scars. There so are. We're trying to keep you from getting these scars because we've all experienced it the hard way. So please listen and take the easy road. Oh, listen to Dave and Kirsten, please, please listen to no, it's God. Not, it's not easy, but yes, it is the alternate road that mm-hmm. uh, will eventually lead to life and healing. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of the things that occurred to me, oh, but just a few weeks ago, as I was thinking about this and processing, and with the, you know, the quarantines that we're all under and everything, if you are in a marriage that is hurting, this is escalating. This is, the, you know, if there's pornography in your marriage, this is escalating in this quarantine. And divorce levels are about to go through the roof. They, they are. Mm-hmm. And first of all. Divorce is more expensive than, than getting help, all right? You may not think so. You may think that I'm just going to walk away and, you know, I, I'll be fine. I'll find somebody else. That may be true. You will find somebody else. And, and I'm saying this to people where there is not abuse going on. I want to be very clear about this. This is not where there is physical, emotional, or sexual abuse going on, all right, or even spiritual abuse. If you are in an abusive situation, you need to get out. You need to be safe, first of all. And if there's children involved, you need to get your children safe. But I'm talking about couples like us who there was not abuse going on. There was, you know, there was a mess. <laughs> it, was, it was not good, but it wasn't abusive. All right. So there's, I want to make that big distinction. But one of the things that I've been processing and I think that God gave me as I was processing through some of this is the word that we are all seeking stability, right? If you ask people what they want, they just, they just want their life to settle down. They want, you know, they want to have a normal paycheck. They, they want life to be good. That's stability, right? We just want life to be stable. Well, that's a myth, but because life is never stable, there's always something going on. That's life. But as I was thinking about that word stability, I came up, you know, I believe that God gave me some things to think about with stability. And the first one is, is S means we need to be seeking God every day. So how do you heal the wounds in your marriage? First of all, you're on your face, you're on your knees, you're into God's word every day. You are submitting yourself to the, to the one who created you, who desires to be in relationship with you, who wants he has a, a plan for your life you can't even <clears throat> you can't even imagine <clears throat> and so but you you're not going to discover what that is you're not going to understand his heart for you if you're not seeking him if you're not not daily in the bible reading him if you don't know where to start start in the book of psalms some of the most real writings in the book in in the bible because David wrote a lot of them, King David, and he talked about the, all the stupid things that he did. And he talked about his hurts and his pain. He talked about his anger. It's all there. Or start in the Gospel of John. If you want to see the heart of Jesus, read the Gospel of John. The second thing is hey, Before truth. you go on, I agree with you. 
I never understood Psalms until I was in the lowest point of my life. Yep. That's right. I mean, you're going to certain bits and pieces, but I didn't get it. That <laughs> legitimately, I didn't get it. Yep. And then when I was at a low, I was like, oh, and plus it's poetic. Right. I'm not a poetry right. guy. I'm like engineering brain. <laughs> so, with you. so if you're listening and you're like, I never understood that. When you're in a low, you'll understand it. But right. John, God's love, what a beautiful book. That is, I yes. agree with you completely. Yes. The second thing is truth. Truth about what's going on in your life as well as in your marriage. And, and this is not truth about your spouse because we all project things onto our spouse. We make judgments against the other person. But you can't see my heart and I can't see your heart. But God does. So it's time to come clean about you. And, and, as, and as our marriage recovered, I had to come clean about me as well. And that was, that was the big struggle for me. I had to realize that I couldn't change him. The only person I could change was me. And I couldn't make him do something. That's another false lie. We don't get to make people do anything. We can influence them, but we can't make them do that. So be truthful. Be truthful about the addiction and the costs of the addiction and the cost of recovery or not recovery. You know, my coach tells me that there's two kinds of pain. There's, there's acute pain and there's chronic pain. You get to choose what you're in. Acute pain is like going into surgery and going under the knife and they cut out the disease and then they sew it back together. And man, it hurts. It hurts, but it's quick. The healing might take a little bit of time, but the removal of the issue is quick. Chronic pain is knowing there's a problem and refusing to do anything about it and saying, oh, it'll be okay, or I can handle this on my own, or you know, eventually it'll just disappear and go away. That's, a, that's one I hear a lot from women whose, whose husbands are addicted to pornography. Well, if I just ignore it, it'll go away. I thought the same thing. Guess what? It blew up in my face. It's going to do the same thing. So be honest. Be truthful. Be honest about your marriage as well. What's, what's not working in your marriage and why is it not working? And if you, you know, that's a lot of times you're going to need some help. You're going to need a coach. You're going to need a counselor, something like that. And that's one of the things that I do and Dave and I do with couples. The, the next one is a ability, which is accountability. Accountability is not somebody else holding your feet to the fire. Nobody can do that for you. Remember, we can't change or make anybody do anything. Accountability is I'm owning my stuff. So let's, let's start being accountable for our words, our actions, our thoughts, and what we're feeding our brains with. The, fifth, the, the next letter is boundaries. Boundaries, there's a great book by Cloudon Townsend. Read it, study it, understand it. But boundaries actually are loving. They're saying, everybody, they're saying that here's where I stop and you begin. And when you cross that boundary with somebody else, you are being disrespectful. Pornography is disrespectful. It is not treating me as, as the one that you see only. It is not mm-hmm. treating my, it's not treating Dave that way. If I'm looking at something other than him trying to get a high, that's, that's not treating him with respect. Boundaries protect us. They protect me. They protect you. L is for listen actively. So much of the time when we're talking with people, we're not listening to them. We're thinking about what we're going to say next, or we're remembering something else. I'm guilty of this all the time because my brain goes 40 different directions at the same time, and I have to zero in. 
And so when we're talking about something, I have to look him in the eyes. You remember with your children, if you've had children, you always tell, we used to tell our kids, look me in the eyes, because then I know I had at least a shot of having their attention. But look them in the eyes, turn off, listen to what's not being said as much as what's being said. Active listening is really a gift that we give to the other person. And then the last one is emotional intelligence. We have, got to, we have got to own how we feel. You can't make me angry. I choose to be angry by something that was said or done. Dave can't make me feel worthless. His actions can set me up for that, but I'm choosing to feel worthless in that situation. So own your emotions. Be intelligent with them. Uh, it's really easy to spot someone who is not emotionally intelligent. And when you see a 40 or 50-year-old behaving like a three-year-old, you recognize it. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be there. And one of the things that was part of our recovery was learning that emotional intelligence. Because of the addictions that we both had, we had to discover how to relate to each other in ways that were honoring and respectful as well as acknowledging the emotions. The emotions, your emotions are real. So to tell someone, well, don't, don't, you know, just stop it, you know, is, is not being emotionally intelligent because emotions are the relief valve for all of us. If you're angry, okay, I get it. You're angry. You have a right to be angry, but you do not have a right to destroy anything in the process of that anger. Yeah, and what you do with that. And sin not. Right. What mm-hmm. you do with that anger is more important than the anger. But you also, I mean, I, I can feel hurt and I can acknowledge the fact, again, going back to being accountable for me, I can acknowledge the fact that when you said that, I feel hurt, mm-hmm. I feel pain, I feel wounded, I feel like you are belittling me instead of saying you did this, changing that language up. So that's one of the things that God has been teaching me about this whole stability thing is to seek God, be truthful own my own accountability, set healthy boundaries, listen actively, and practice emotional intelligence. That's going to bring stability into my life, or nobody else can do that because I'm responsible for my own stability. And that is based on my relationship with God. That's why it starts with seeking God. That's a great acronym. Thank you for sharing that. That's really good. Well, Dave, been the been the addict, been there. You're living victoriously every day. What's your daily checklist for victory? Because you know, it is daily, right? And not like you're struggling daily, daily but you have to be aware daily. Right. It's a moment, you know, it's moment by moment. Mm-hmm. You know, my day, I, I have to start each day in the Word. I have to start each day with reading the Scriptures in prayer and and just getting the right perspective on the mm-hmm. day. And, you know, and, and I understand the triggers. I, I know that, you know, um, being hurt and angry and tired and lonely and bored, those are, those are five big triggers for me that I need to, if I'm feeling that, I've got to say, okay, what's, what's going on or be very careful. But it's also just, so that's how I start the day. But then it's just each moment saying, okay, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? What, you know, what's going on? 
And it's just, it's just taking, it's that whole concept of taking every thought captive, which I've heard all my life and never really understood, but it's just being aware of why am I thinking that? Mm -hmm. Why am I feeling this way? And what is a proper biblical response to how I should be doing this? You know, the the whole thing of, you know, God's not going to tempt you beyond what you are able to bear, but will make a way of escape. And it's like, okay, well, if he said that, then there's got to be a way of escape. And now, Lord, how do I find that? What is that way of escape? So it's just a, it's a moment by moment process. Some days are easier than others. And depending upon how crazy the week has been, you know, if, if, if we haven't you know, had a lot of time together or, you know, have been running separate <laughs> directions, which, you know, happens a time, then we've got to, you know, take stock of that and just say, okay, we, we need some, we need some just time for ourselves. Let's go for a walk. Let's let's connect so that we're not two ships that are passing in the night and we mm-hmm. can be we can be a couple mm-hmm. and, and be together in this. Mm-hmm. So well there's other things too that you have decided in order to to mitigate as much exposure to pornography as possible. There are some things that you've made decisions about. Mhm. Yeah, I, I mean, I still have accountability software on my computer. You know, we, we use Covenant Eyes. We use Covenant Eyes. Mm-hmm. We, yep, I do too. I'll put a link in the show notes. Our family yeah. uses that. You know, even if I'm because because now I'm I'm doing a lot more traveling. You know, one of the things that I do is that I will take the remote or take the batteries out of the remote control in the television. I've I've promised myself I'm not going to watch television in in the motel room. That's and just, actually, pause that because people are like, why do you have to shut it off? If you've traveled for business. When you turn those things on, even in the high-end chains, like you can be in a Hilton, a Sheridan, you can be in a Marriott, in Italy. Mm-hmm. As soon as you turn that TV on, it goes right to porn. Literally, there's a selection for porn, and sometimes mm-hmm. they even show clips. So if you're sitting yeah. there just to look for pay-per-view, I want to watch the new Rocky movie, you might literally be unexposed to that. Mm-hmm. And you know, if someone has an addiction with alcohol, you'd want to put them in a bar, but yet every hotel in the world almost Right. They put porn right there because they yeah. make 30, 40 bucks a shot at it. Sure. And so I, I just, I take the batteries out of the remote. Now I did, I did run into one hotel that actually had the battery compartment screwed down. So you couldn't actually do that. <laughs> so that was kind of disappointing. So I just had to put it in a drawer and, and put it out of sight and then say, no, I'm not going to do this. You know, take a book along and I'll read. But you know, I mean, on a business trip, you're, your brain is fried by the time you get done in the evenings and it's like, okay, I need to relax. Well, then I've got to find some other way to, to do that, either reading or I, I'll call Kirsten, we'll get on a video call and, and we'll do that. So, you know, those are just some little things that I've, that I've done. Mm-hmm. And, and if you, oh, I was going to say, and if you're struggling, if you're at a low, you absolutely call her up and she's your accountability partner, mm-hmm. right? Well, no, yeah, that she, was sarcasm. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, I, I, I am accountable. Yes, you're uh, accountable she, to her. But would you go to her with the failures? Because I want people listening to understand you can just be continuously damaging right. the relationship by yeah. saying I failed again, I failed again, I failed again. Explain that dynamic of the relationship. Yeah, I, I was told not to when we set up when I set up the accountability software on the computer. I was told not to have Kirsten as one of the accountability mm-hmm. partners because of that very thing of you know, seeing all the failures would discourage her from any progress that was being made. Mm-hmm. So, 
she is not an accountability partner. However, I am accountable to her. Absolutely. I just met <laughs> right. that struggle. You're like, hey, I'm thinking about other women. You don't go to yeah. your wife with that. No, that's, I don't think that's very helpful. But I do have guys that I call and just say, okay, hey, pray for me. <laughs> he does. He has, he has um, a group of guys that form this continuing accountability group. And again, these are, these are men that speak into his life and are not afraid to get right in his face and say, what do you think you're doing? I have the same kind of people in my life, same women in my, wife, in my life that do the same thing. So when he has had struggles and when he has not been as, as healthy as he wants to be, he has talked with them and eventually he tells me, but he works through what happened with the accountability partners. And I think that's very key to understand is, well, yes, we are accountable to each other. I don't go running to him with absolutely, you know, everything right away. He knows everything. But if I have an issue that I need to work through and I need, I need to go to one of the people, the women that I trust and go to them and, and get gut level honest and talk this through. And then I can go to Dave and say, okay, here's the struggle. Here's what I'm doing about it. And I need you to know about it because I need, I need your support. Mm-hmm. And what that tells me as the wife of, of you know, a man who has been addicted to porn is he's aware and he's working on it. And his desire is to continue to, to walk as the man of God that I know that he is. And, and yet he's, he's not hiding from me what's happening. So there's, there's that still that complete honesty and, and accountability. One of the things, I think one of the lies that a lot of couples believe is that as a man, I can fulfill all of Kirsten's needs. And as a woman, Kirsten can fill all of my needs. And that is just not true because mm-hmm. I'm male and she's female. And there are only, I, I don't relate to her in the same way as some of her, her gal friends do. And it's just because I'm not female. So there needs to be those friendships outside of, I guess I should say same sex friendships yes. outside yes. of the marriage where I've key. got, I've got key men in my life that are speaking into me and I can go and say, Hey man, I'm really struggling with this. Can you pray with me? And then likewise, she has key women in her life that are telling her the same thing. And you know, then we come together, we're, we're better for right. that. Right. Yeah, I agree 100%. Men with men, women with women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you believe the lie that men and women can be friends, you're just, you know the truth in your heart. I, yeah. That breaks more marriages than everything mm-hmm. else. And that has mm-hmm. more teens lose a virginity than anything else. Guys and girls yep. can be friends. No, they can't. I mean, you can be acquaintances and we right. can be friends, but not mm-hmm. that intimate, private, sharing right. level. That's just a lie. And that's like one of the things I get so disgusted with. I'm like, listen. Be honest. You like that person. Be honest. Right. You enjoy the yeah. sin. Don't be a liar and say, oh, we can be <laughs> friends. Come on. Or, you know, there's all sorts of things we all yeah. lie about. But yep. All right. Well, all right. I love, by the way, that gut level honest. <laughs> gut level honest. I never heard that before. <laughs> so, all right. Well, listen, we covered a lot of ground, a lot of territory, and I know there's a lot more. Mm-hmm. For the guys and girls out there, the men and women listening to this, you know, the statistic you said, the average turning couple takes six years to get help. Mm-hmm. Some six people years. listening now, it's more. Some people, it's mm-hmm. less. 
what are the steps? Like you've already mentioned them all throughout this thing, but if you were to summarize real quick, step one, step two, step three. And I know when we get to the counselor step, it's just not any counselor. It's a godly counselor, one that doesn't believe in divorce, one that truly is going to give God's opinion, not take sides. So go ahead and give the steps for the couples listening right now, or one half of the couple and the other half's not interested. Give them the, what encouraged you and the hope. The first step is to own it. Mm-hmm. And to admit, like Dave said early on, when it comes to addiction, you will not change until you accept what is fact right now. And that's the key is that it is fact right now. It does not have to remain fact for the rest of your life. It is your current status. So don't buy the lie that you're stuck. You're not. Yeah, James talks about confessing your sins to one another and praying for each other that you may be healed. And that is, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Would you pray for me? Right. And let's let's pray about this together. So that's that's the first. The step, step one is is acknowledging, mm-hmm. and that's step. not before the whole church. That's privately. No, 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 no. no I'm saying you know, some people <laughs> they're not. Again, I'm just going to be blunt. There's people who are they're Christian gossipers. They say, mm-hmm. oh, please pray for this. It's not mm-hmm. prayer. It's your gossiping. You want either yeah. emotion. You want to seem important. So you stop it. You're right. in sin there. You need to get that right. Yes. Yeah, so you have to go to a, about, You're you talking about the to, friendship, iron sharpening iron. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You have to go to that one person. Like Dave, Dave went to our one friend and came completely clean. This friend not only accepted what Dave told him, agreed that it was not okay, Okay, so he didn't brush over the sin. He didn't brush over the problem. He agreed that this was a problem, that this had to be changed. This could not continue. But then he became part of the solution. Mm -hmm. So you need a person like that. Now, that could be your spouse. I don't know. Probably not. It's going to be a person, again, it's someone who you can trust that is safe, but is also a truth teller. And that's very key. You need a truth teller. So you go to them and then you, you start to build a plan. Part of that plan then is going to involve, you have to tell your spouse what's going on. Then you need to get... And if there's children involved, you're in, they're adult children. Right. You need to tell them. I mean, if they're, they're kids, I, I wouldn't probably do that. But Not yet. Our, our children mm-hmm. to the point where they were adults, you know, they were... They were married, and we needed to. I needed to come clean and mm-hmm. and ask for their support because they were also a part of accountability. Yeah, program. So then you need outside help, mm-hmm. and that was one of the wisest pieces of first information that we got was you need counseling. You both need counseling, whether you're the one addicted to pornography or not. You need counseling. I didn't understand that but it was very true and it became evident very, very quickly. So you need, you need that. One of the ways that, that, that you can do that is you can reach out to someone like me, who's a coach. I'm not a counselor. I am a coach and there's a difference, but you can reach out to someone like me for, for that unbiased third party to help you identify next steps, to help you guide you. And we've worked with couples that are struggling with pornography addiction, and we have worked alongside a counselor with them so that we, we provide prayer support, we provide biblical counsel, 
and and then they're they're working with a counselor to deal with probably some psychological issues or something like that that are going on. But you need to reach out to a professional, mm-hmm. someone who will honestly listen that that un, unbiased third party, and then. Now, let me just jump in real quick. Yep. One of the one of the things that I had a hang up that I had about the counseling was gosh, this is going to be a lot of coin. I'm going to be spending a lot <laughs> yeah. of money here. And, <laughs> yeah, it's not know, cheap. It no, cannot. it's not cheap. And, and if you have it budgeted for that, which is kind of you know what I like to do, <laughs> you know, it, it can be a real hit. But the question is, and the question that was given to me was, what is it worth to you, Dave, for your wife to be healed? Now, I would do anything for Kirsten, and I'd pay anything for Kirsten. For myself, I'd I'd skimp on myself, but what was it worth for her to be healed? And that was the thing that said, okay, then then it's then it's worth it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that sacrifice and we're gonna we're gonna do that and make it whole. And like I said, divorce costs a whole lot much more. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Counseling. The average divorce is what, thirty they I think the average divorce today is almost it's thirty five to forty thousand dollars per side. Right. And that's and I was not the think elitist. It's higher than that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's they're saying the average. So the rich, mm-hmm. the poor, everything in between. Wow. The average divorce is about eighty grand. And the only person who wins is Satan and the attorneys. Mm-hmm. Everybody else loses. You think yeah, you won, yeah. you lost. You hurt your kids, you hurt your fa- right. families. The I'm emotional super, toll is even yeah, is even, even greater. Higher. Oh yeah. yeah. And we can make money back, but we yeah. can't get time back. Right. So no. what you're saying, if you took forty grand, if you took ten grand. That's a lot mm-hmm. of counseling, mm-hmm. even at 150 bucks a session. Mm-hmm. So you really got to be honest again with your intentions. And I, you don't have to agree with me. I believe personally, the only biblical reason for divorce is physical adultery. So I believe there's other hurtful things. And again, if someone's in an abusive relationship and there's danger, yeah. you need to leave and separate hundred yeah. percent. Yes. But the only grounds for biblical divorce that I can see in the Bible is physical adultery. And God still hates that and doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's like the last ditch effort because he knows how painful it is and how harsh it is and how mentally just it, it can destroy you yeah. in a way. Yeah, so I would classify the pornography as, as adultery. It is as adultery. Well, physical adultery. Yeah. I see. No, I'm not disagreeing. I, I don't see it as physical adultery, but I see it as adultery against God. So that's right. where we differ. Like if someone mm-hmm. looked at porn, I wouldn't say that's a reason for divorce. That's me personally. Mm-hmm. But the, that's like but saying murder. If I hate is. somebody, I'm not going to jail for right. killing them. Right. My vertical relationship with God, the one that matters is completely wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. But horizontally, I didn't actually commit right. the sin. So that's yeah. the only right. thing I'd say different. But, but I just want to put that out there for you. The whole mm-hmm. purpose, and you guys can correct, add in, but what I'm going to say is, David, Kirsten, myself, our whole point is put every effort into saving your marriage. Yeah. Put every effort into being restored. Don't just quit. And yeah. those problems are going to follow you and it's, just get it's worse. Worth it. Yeah. And that's, that's the next thing is you have to make the decision. It is a conscious decision that you're going to work this out. You know, and that is going to mean investing some dollars in counseling, in coaching, it's going to mean that you are going to set uh, set aside some past behaviors. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to admit, you know, that's that whole being accountable, owning your own your own mess, and you're going to have to come clean on some things. But we're here to say that the other side of that 
is so much more right. amazing than yeah. where we were. That's what I was going to say. Let's end the episode on the hope. What? Yeah. All this, the problem, the solutions, but where does it end? Show them where it ends. Talk about the hope or where you're at. It's, it's, it's living with the other person without any barriers. Yes. It's, it's freedom. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's fun. fun. I mean, I've lived, you know, I've lived more than half of my life as an ex, in, a, in a lot of pessimism. In a lot of, you know, oh boy, this is not going to happen. And oh boy, you know, you know, wah, wah, wah. And, you know, ER, picture ER with the cloud above my head. I've lived almost half of my life that way, more than half of my life that way. And as God has remade and given us this brand new opportunity, this brand new marriage, I like him a whole lot better than I did 25 years ago. Amen. Okay? Because he's not that guy. And there's not this sense that I have that there's something between us. Mm -hmm. It's not there. And that's the hope. And that's exactly the lie that Satan doesn't want you to grab onto. That if you come clean, you know, Scripture says that the truth sets us free. Mm -hmm. The lie is if you tell people what's going on, if you tell the other person, if you go to someone, you call up someone like me and you say, I just have to tell you what's happening in my marriage, that 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 person is going to condemn you and think that you're an absolute idiot and how could you do this? That's a lie. Every time I hear the story from another woman that her husband's addicted to porn, this is what's going on in the marriage, whether we're in person, on the phone, or doing a Zoom call like this, I have tears running down my face because I know where you are. I have been there, but I also know the hope. Mm -hmm. I know you don't have to stay there. It can get better, but I will not lie to you. And neither will Dave. Both of us know the battle that's ahead of you, but it can be won. It has already been won. You just get to walk the, right. the, the victory lap. Let's do it. Yeah, that's not to say that there are no problems. No. Okay, we still we still have issues that we need to work through. We still fall into old patterns of of speech and thought. But usually the other person is strong enough to pull out and say, "Okay, that's that's not what you should that's not true. That's a lie. You know, what is the what is the truth here?" And we're able to exercise those things. So it's not a Pollyanna-ish kind no. of thing of, "Oh, everything's great." <laughs> but in, in fact, before all of this happened, I thought we had a perfect marriage. Yeah. Yeah, probably never fought. Because we didn't fight. Mm -mm. Never yeah, fought. because everything was hidden. Right. That's right. I was not authentic. Dave was not authentic. I would not speak my mind. I would not say, I don't agree with you. You know, I would have, I would have in an interview with you, Dave, I would have gone, uh-huh, uh-huh, sure, and never pushed back on anything. I would never have dared because then you might expose me. And that was too frightening. Well, now it's like, you know, somebody asked me just even recently, you know, well, how can you talk about, you know, pornography addiction and, and all of this? And I looked at him and I said, I published it in a book. Anybody in the entire world, over eight and a half billion people can pick it up and read it. What do I have to hide? Yeah. There's, there's freedom in not having to hide. Yeah. Amen. And that Bible, like you mentioned it earlier, the darkness, you know, first John talks about the darkness and the light. Mm 
the mm-hmm. truth versus secrets, the mm-hmm. hiding versus the openness. Mm-hmm. And Satan's always trying to push us and make us think the dark safety when it's, that's where the destruction right. is. Right. Well, and so, if you're worried about your reputation, about looking good, then you're going to hide. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you are worried about being who you are, if you're more concerned about being who you are and being free, then you're going to come clean. And you have to decide what is more important because I was bearing in my body the physical manifestations of hiding. I was starting to have heart attack symptoms. I had anxiety. I would get anxiety attacks. I had uh, pain in every joint in my body. I was retaining fluids and I was gaining weight rapidly. And you can go on and on and on and on. And it wasn't until I came clean and I started to admit the problems mm-hmm. that, that my body began to start to heal. Yeah, so it's not just, just emotional and mental. You know, yeah. it's still a struggle. It's still a struggle because I had to admit that I was addicted to food as well. But right. I was also addicted to, having a, to being known a, in a certain way, to having a good reputation. And now, oh, well... <laughs> we are who we are. We are who I, I am, who I am. And I know who I am because I have accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I stand complete and made perfect in his sight. And he calls me his daughter. And that's Amen. all I need. Yep. Well, I thank you. And on behalf of all of our listeners, we thank you for being on the show today. Uh, thank thank you, you for sharing your mm-hmm. story and giving us such great insight and advice. Is there anything else before we close this episode out that you want to say or share? Well, we wanted to give a gift to everyone who listens to your podcast to honor you. But I have a request with this gift, okay? So if you go to my website, kirstendsamuel.com forward slash remarkable, and Kirsten is spelled K-I-R-S-T-E-N. It's D as in David. Samuel is S-A-M-U-E-L, just like the first name. And then forward slash remarkable, which stands for your podcast, David, you can get a free copy of our story, our book, just pay the shipping and handling of $9, but you, you go there and I will autograph it. If you want more than one book, you can get as many as you want. Just tell me who you want them autographed to, if you want them personalized or just, you know, just autographed. And we'll be happy to send that to you. But here's what we want you to do is when you get that book, or if you listen to this podcast, I want you to post on social media and I want you to tag this podcast, if you will, and just say that you've listened to it because I want you to, to help Dave build his podcast. Oh. And then the other second part of that is I would like you to go and write an Amazon review on the book and be honest. We want honest reviews of the book. It's our story. It's not a perfect story and it's not a clean story, but it is our story and it is a story of hope and what God can do when we're willing to submit to him. Right. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much. That's a great gift. And I didn't know, I didn't know you're going to do that. So thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. And to the listeners, we love you. I'm saying I'm a lot because I'm thinking now. So to the listeners, we always say in the slogan, listen, do repeat for life. Mm-hmm. Anything mm-hmm. we listen to, we can hear all the truth in the world. I, I heard a statistic. If you listen to the episode with Tim Ward the other day, there's a statistic that, over 1 million books are produced per year. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of knowledge. But the truth is, all truth comes from God. All truth comes right. from the right. Bible. So get Dave and Kirsten's book, 
because that summarizes that part of truth and expands on it to help you understand how to become victorious. If you need help, reach out to Kirsten, reach out to me. I don't, I can't help you in this area, maybe necessarily, but I can help connect you with people who can Mm -hmm. and don't quit. It's worth fighting for. It's worth Mm -hmm. fighting for God to honor him. It's worth fighting for yourself so you can sleep at night with peace. Like Kirsten said, her whole body changed, the physical structure, the pains, the aches that all went away when you get this freedom and do it for your marriage. It's worth it. Even if your spouse has hurt you beyond imagination, what we could ever even put on the air, like a like different story mm-hmm. that can all be healed. It's, it would take a miracle, but God's mm-hmm. in the business of miracles. That's right. That's right. So thank you too, for being here today. We love you. Thanks for being here so much. Thank Thanks, you. David. Oh yeah. Great to the, to be here. Oh yeah. To the listener. Thank you for listening. It's hard to share a podcast like this, but do it as much as you can in the loving way you can. You definitely don't want to hurt people and say, hey, scumbag, listen to this. <laughs> I know you got a problem, but be loving and say, you know, maybe this will help. So yeah. that's why we're here. We want to help. We want to glorify God and we want to help to see you grow. So if you need anything, let me know. If not, have a great day. Until next time, it's a Remarkable People podcast. Have a great day. We love you and see you soon. The Remarkable People podcast. Check it out. Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life.